better lock the doors, turn up the radio, strap yourself in. Because it's time for the Matt Wyatt Show. The guy who's the color commentator for Mississippi State football and SEC baseball. So, yeah, he brings a lot to the game. And he's right here. Right now. Hey. Here we go. Let's get after it today on this Thursday. Welcome into the studio, huh? Welcome in the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Farm Bureau Insurance, go! With the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau Insurance across the great state of Mississippi. Your hometown heroes, that's your local Farm Bureau Insurance agents. What's up, everybody? Welcome in. Glad you're here. Hope you will be a part of the show. There's lots of ways for you to do that as uh, we kind of make our way across the next couple of hours. I'll just chit-chat with you, see what we can get into. Uh, a couple of ways for you to jump in here on the conversation. One, shoot me a text on the Country Pleasing text line. Country Pleasing Sausage on grocery store shelves throughout the Southeast. It is the best sausage, in my opinion, hands down. Call me on the Divinity phone also. I'll give you the numbers. Here's the text line number to text 885-ESPN. It's a 601 number, 885-ESPN. Now, that's the one you want to text. I'd love to hear your voice today, too. Just grab a chair, pull on up to the table. That way we get to hear from you. 995-1059. It's a 601 number, 995-1059. That's the number to call the Divinity phone, Divinity Equipment, Madison and in Jackson. And that'll get you in here on the show on this Thursday. So today you're kind of in between. Like as we as we talk right now live, we're sort of in between. What do you mean, Matt? Well, I mean that midweek baseball is behind us. Weekend baseball is in front of us. And the only SEC team left in the NCAA basketball tournament plays later tonight. So, so as we chit-chat live here on the show, we're smack dab in between. Uh, but why not recap a couple of things, preview a couple of things, and I do have a news nugget that relates back here to the state of Mississippi from a football standpoint. Why don't we do that? We'll do all that coming up in just a bit. And also scores. We'll take a look at the scores last night. Kind of blowouts in midweek baseball, but not for everybody in the SEC. I just mean blowouts here in the state of Mississippi. State put up double digits against Southern. Uh, Ole Miss did what they seem to do every game and scored double digits on somebody. This time it was Memphis. They gave up some runs, but they just outscored them. So I'll get into some of those details as well. First up, though, let's see what's happening over here on the Divinity Equipment phone line. Divinity Equipment, Madison and in Jackson. Your Kubota dealer, the oldest Kubota dealer in the U.S., in fact, means Divinity has been doing it better, longer than anyone else. Benji on line one. Thanks for calling, Benji. What's up? What's up, man? Um, Matt, I've just had something going through my head about, you know, the portal and the difference between oldness and state right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Mike Leach back in the day came up with a very innovative idea, and it paid off for him. He turned minus programs into winning programs. But I feel like his age has caught up with him. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when the portal opened up in the NIL and the fifth and sixth year seniors started started going on, um, you know, Lane Kiffin took to that like a fish to water. Right. You know, he adapted right away, started grabbing people out of the portal. Mike has always had the had the formula of I'm going to recruit 
and a couple of four-star athletes, and I'm going to develop them. And what he doesn't understand in the SEC is you're not going to take a Toyota Camry and shove a bunch of money into it and outrun a Lamborghini. Mm. And while Lane Kiffin is loading up on Lamborghinis and Ferraris, Mike Leach is doing the Mike Leach thing of getting Honda Accords reliable, solid vehicles and trying to develop them into something that they're not. And uh, I think it's very apparent in the excitement around the old Miss and how old Miss fans are looking forward to this season. And Mississippi State is down there in the 30s. I wouldn't be surprised if they were behind JSU in recruiting. Uh, they're just down there in the 30s just loading up on no talent. And uh, we're going to find out what happens. Will Rogers is, a, uh, is an excellent quarterback, and he might prop that program up. But... I just wanted to point that out. I feel like Lane Kiffin adapted, and uh, and Mike Leach is just his age caught up with him, and he's not adapting. Yeah, I'm looking at the numbers here. Are trying to on this? Um, let's see the portal tracker uh, that you can. It's kind of a database of who's coming in, who's going out. You can look at any school you want to look at. You know, on twenty four seven. And so, uh, Benji, as you were yeah. talking about it, I'm just pulled it up here to see. Okay, and just to kind of give a, without going through every name, just to sort of like give an overview here, um, it looks like the last transfer coming in in the portal for for Leach and his staff is an offensive lineman, an interior offensive lineman named Stephen Lasoya, who's in from Middle Tennessee. Okay, Mm -hmm. um, let me see here. Uh, and then just before that was that was in January, okay. So that was late January, and then a few days before that, there was a a kicker that transferred in a couple of weeks. Let's see, mid January they got a receiver from Georgia named Justin Robinson, and a couple of days before that in January they got a receiver from Northwestern. Um, and then, then, then early, and, and again, I'm not trying to bore you here, but then early January, as far as coming in, they got a corner from West Virginia named uh, Jackie Matthews. Yeah. Okay, and that's in terms of the calendar year 2022, because, you know, if we went back to December, that's going way back, and it seems like we covered some of those names back then. Okay, so. They haven't had a ton of guys here in the calendar 2022 year that they have transferred in, but let's see, one corner, two receivers that are FBS transfers, and then an offensive lineman. Of course, there's a couple of kickers in there, but an offensive lineman that's an F. Well, they're, I guess, FBS. Yeah, it'd be Sunbelt, right? Middle Tennessee. But it's not a ton. That's that's. I guess I'm making your point as I kind of have you on the phone here yeah. is that they um in recent weeks and months for state it looks like there's a lot more guys transferring out than they've actually transferred in and uh, yeah, and i just have to take your word for it on Ole miss until still, i can look it up here yeah old miss just pulled in like a three or four star running back in like the past couple of weeks okay uh, they're still plucking you know he's still hunting and trying to pick players out and Mike Leach just seems like, you know, he's fat and happy and just sits back like, okay, got my squad, guys. I guess we're going to be good. <laughs> I've always thought the term fat and happy was pretty <laughs> It's pretty funny. Yeah. Cause, I like fat and fat. Right, yeah. I mean, you'd prefer to be skinny and happy, but I guess you can be fat and happy. Um, yeah. <laughs> and and uh, Benji, okay, so to throw some specifics into the conversation here, 
to what you just mentioned. I looked up Ole Miss now. This is calendar year 2022 transfers Ole Miss. Um, so just the other day, about a, a week ago or so, there's a running back from SMU named uh, Ulysses Bentley. And I guess, you know, here's the thing, Benji. He's listed as a three-star player, but these guys coming from – it's almost like we have to retrain ourselves because in my mind, you tell me somebody's three, four-stars coming from a D1 school, that's a whole lot different than a three, four-star player from high school, you know. Um, yeah. Okay, so so running back SMU to Ole Miss named Bentley. Um, a month before that, back on February the 15th, it lists – um, a excuse me here, a defensive end from TCU, and then uh, at the end of January, a monster. Yeah, at the end of January, an edge rusher from Georgia Tech named Jared Ivy. That was on January 28th. Okay, that he was announced. Of course, you know, mid-January they picked up Malik Heath from Mississippi State, uh, who's a fourth year. I do not like that pickup. I'm- I go on record. I hate that pickup, Mr. Drop, Kick, and Run against Tulsa. Can't stand that guy. I hate that we got. And then the day before that, on January 17th, is when they announced J.J. Pegues the as a tight end from Auburn coming to Ole Miss, you know, the kid who went to Oxford High School. Um, okay, but that's not the only one. See, you've got um, – that's not the only one. They had – uh, the receiver, I'm sorry, the tight end from Southern Cal in January transferred in. They had... Four-star. Yeah, right, four-star. And then they had, I'm scrolling here, linebacker from, is it Central Michigan? Linebacker from Central Michigan. And then, of course, a quarterback from USC, um, that uh, Dart. And that was back in the second week of January. Yeah. Okay, and then... Five-star. Yeah. Okay, so and then that's it, at least in terms of calendar year 2022. So what did we count there? What, five or six for Ole Miss, and I think only three or four guys for state calendar year 2022 in terms of transfers coming in. Um, now, you know, the other side of that, I will tell you, I, I'm, I've made the statement, court of, sort of planted the flag, and I still believe it's true. Uh, when this stuff started opening up, and, and Benji, we started evaluating what the transfer portal was, uh, it, it's pretty obvious to me that State and Ole Miss need to be big players in the portal. They really need to do that. Absolutely. And when you look here, think about these numbers. <clears throat> Ole Miss was a very veteran team. And so seniors and outgoing juniors, they had a big class of those. Like, they had almost, what was it, 17 guys that participated in their pro day yesterday? I mean, that's how many older, good players they had, and all those are leaving. You can't replace those and keep up with high school recruiting. they got to hit the portal. Mississippi State, I will say this cycle is a little different. Now, some of this is talent, but they only had, Benji, State only had like literally five guys that went through their pro day the other day. That's it. I mean, that's how few veteran, you know, senior and outgoing players they had that are, frankly, real prospects. And so the numbers may be a little different in terms of what you're feeling. But this is one thing I totally agree with you on. State and Ole Miss, they need both to commit to being big players in the portal, whatever it takes. I think that's the right move. Yeah. 
And Matt, uh, one thing I'd like to say is, uh, well, first off, that Bentley guy, he led, I believe, his Conference USA SMUs, and he led the Conference USA in rushing, like, last year. Okay. Not this passing, but the year before. And, you know, when whenever you have these portal guys, Mississippi State does have a lot of talent coming back, so that's going to maybe put, like, a false coating of, you know, oh, you know, Mississippi State's better. Yeah, but they have returning talent. If it's leech mentality of I'm just going to recruit these Toyota Camrys, it's going to tear its head in the next couple of years, and that, that program's going to start heading down. Yeah. It's good stuff. And, you know, um, I, I, I agree. I just, I just think that if you're not – Benji, to what you're saying, I, I can't disagree with you on this premise. You know, if you're not Georgia and Alabama, Georgia and Alabama can recruit whatever they want out of high school. They've proven that. Okay, so it's a different ball game for them. And then they cherry pick the portal stuff. It's just like we said, and I think this is what you're touching on. If you year after year and over the course of four or five years, if you are state, if you are Ole Miss, you're just not going to recruit high school stuff head to head with Texas A&M and Georgia. You're not. And the way, the way you're going to shore up your competitiveness is you're going to have to be better in the portal. That's just all there is to it. Yeah. And so whenever, you know, Alabama and Georgia Tech used to run over everybody with that wing T, you can't run a wing T triple option against Alabama because they're going to beat you guys athlete for athletes. You've got to come up with a different strategy and work around Alabama. And we better pray to the Lord above that Georgia and Alabama – don't get a weed up their butt about going into that portal and yanking everybody out that they don't want to play against. I, I agree with that too. Yeah, it's going to be a hairy thing now. Yeah. I mean, it's tricky. So, good stuff. Hey, Benji, it's good I to hear from you, man. It, man. Yeah, man. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, I, I think that, uh, and we're only seeing, you know, to Benji's point, I think we're only seeing the beginning of it. What you're going to see. This is a prediction. Let's see if it holds up. Every school, that every program that is kind of where State is and, and even where Ole Miss is to a degree, you know, I think every two or three years you're going to have a cycle where you, you're kind of – you're a little heavy – just a little heavier in the veteran players. You know, your senior numbers are going to be up where you – you didn't have a bunch of young guys transfer out or something like that or coaching changes, so your senior numbers are going to be up. You know, your impact junior number is going to be up. Maybe early entrance to the draft number is going to be up. And so every two or three years, you'll have a cycle where all of a sudden, you know, you're going to replace a significant portion of your leadership and your talent. And you you can't sit there and look. If you're in the position of on the staff or the head coach, you can't sit there and then look at the portal as a negative thing. It's something that's glass half empty kind of deal. You have to look at it like, okay, it, in the modern era, we can fix our roster in football now a lot faster and a lot more of an overnight nature, snap my fingers, than we could 10 or 12 years ago, where you had to constantly be preparing that roster three years ahead of time and staying on top of it. It's a different deal now. It's not as quick a turnaround as basketball or something like that, but it's uh, you have to. And you know, I think 
The numbers aren't that much different. You look at the schools, the numbers aren't that much different. Now, the stars beside their names uh, are because there's some big-time names with star power in the transfer portal coming into Ole Miss. Both schools lost a good number of players in a portal. Um, and, and State, um, heavy offense in the portal. Heavy offense. Two receivers, one from Northwestern, one from Georgia. But, hey, look, it's like anything else. You know, all these schools, all these programs, you know, it looks, it looks a certain way. You know, we, we judge it in, in a certain way. The next step is it's got to hit the field and come together. It's got to turn into touchdowns and tackles. And if it doesn't, then it's all talk. Uh, unnamed texter on the subject said Northwestern receiver and the Georgia player were both four-star players out of high school. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know. I'll take your word for that. Um, and then, Roshana, you had a good question. How many spots are left to be filled? And that I don't know also. <laughs> I, I haven't kept up with it. Um, you know, admittedly, in the recruiting stuff, Portal and everything else, I've sort of just taken the approach of, hey, and tell me when practice starts and give me a roster so I can know what the names are with the numbers. And outside of that, I just don't – it's hard to care. All right, over to baseball. Nick's got a baseball question. Let's flip it. Then I'll take a look at scores. Nick texts the show, and he says, um, don't look now, but Mississippi State pitching is second in the country in strikeouts, and the bats are fourth in the SEC in home runs. He says, better not sleep on these guys. It hasn't even gotten hot weather yet. They are getting close. Yeah, it's a team that's going to hit for some power. It seems like, Nick, uh, that power numbers are maybe up for a lot of teams. Now, <laughs> I, I still think we've got a few more weekends to go to get more stats and more numbers and have a bigger cross-section so you can compare this SEC baseball season to last SEC baseball season. But like you know, Nick, uh, on Monday of this week we came in and sort of did a comparison of just weekend one conference play versus weekend one conference play last year and offensive numbers up you had 80 more runs scored across the conference this year in week one as you did last year lots more home runs uh, lots more double digit games all that and trying to figure out what the reason was wind was blowing out most of the ballparks that's true but also the umpires in conference play this year are going to be sort of graded they're going to like get their performance is going to be graded with TrackMan technology on what the strike zone actually is versus where they're calling balls and strikes. They go back, they go over it with their superior or supervisor, you want to call it that, at the conference office, the coordinator of umpires, and they're sort of going to get graded and find out how often are you calling pitches out of the zone of strike and vice versa. And, um, yeah, I mean... I think that uh, maybe they're up a little bit, but yes, you can see. I mean, you just watch state play. It's just it's it's kind of slow, but slowly but surely, it looks like it's starting to come together. You've seen the ball leave the yard. You know, the the key too is as you start to get into conference play, the better pitching and the better pitchers you see, especially on these Friday nights. You know, when when does when do those runs start being scored? Right, like they saw a great Friday nighter, SEC Friday night guy. We know what those are. Across the league, those are really good, 
big-time prospects, and they got completely shut down last week on Friday night at Georgia. So, you know, and given that Sims is hurt, that that's, this, that's a tough part of their season. They've got to get really hot. They have to. Hey, Bill, do we have time to get Trey in before the break hits? You want to try yeah, it? Yeah, you might be able to do it. Okay, Trey, thanks for hitting us back up. What's up, Trey? What's going on, Matt? Hey, man. Yeah, so like that text you just read, uh, in my opinion, like don't sleep on Mississippi State. I mean, they're young, and, you know, we're missing Landon Sims and some, you know, some other pitchers, but I'd rather be hot at the end of the year than the beginning of the year. Uh, you know, that's just no my question. opinion. But no question about it. Everybody would. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it's, looking back on last year's team and, and this year's team, I you know, wouldn't you say that the future's pretty bright for the yes. baseball program? I, I, yes, I, I definitely would. And, you know, we could get into it, Trey. I know it's not what you called to get into, but this whole transfer portal thing is going to be huge for baseball, too. I mean, it, it is potentially huge for baseball going forward. And when we talk about that's right, you got all the right pieces and all you need is two pitchers, one to start and one in the pen, go get them. They're out there, you know. Trey, thanks for calling. Thanks for calling me back, man. Yes, sir. Thank you. Yep. Thanks for listening. Interesting start to the show on a Thursday. Whatever y'all want to get into is cool with me. Hit me up on uh, the Divini phone nine nine five one zero five nine, or text me on the Country Pleasing text line. Country Pleasing sausage on grocery store shelves throughout the southeast. Nine nine five one zero. Wait, 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 wait. The wrong number. Eight eight five ESPN. I'll give it to you again when you come back. Stick around. I'm Matt. Proudly required to present present more of the Matt Wyatt Show. We have another totally awesome episode for you today. Ba, 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 ba. Back with you. I'm Matt. In the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio, Farm Bureau. Go! With the home team. Talking about tracking umpires. Next Gen Reb texted, I think it's not a bad idea. He says, I doubt they'll do it this way, but I would much rather them use the tracking, the track man tracking, to increase consistency versus accuracy. Now, listen to this statement he makes. As long as you are fairly accurate as an umpire, the consistency is so important for both hitters and pitchers. And I think that is true, right? Like, I think probably, I know pitchers would, but I think coaches as well. If you said, "Hey, listen, he's he's he's, you know, he's calling strikes a couple of three inches off the plate either way," but he's doing it for both teams and he's really consistent with it. You're like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> Players and coaches be like, "Okay, fine." Maybe hitters not as much, but uh, yeah. The other part of that too is, well, it's just like we talked about. Um, there's some nuance in this deal. I mean, it's easy for me, a fan. I'm not going to the plate. I'm not throwing pitches, and I'm not coaching either one of them. So I'm a fan slash media, right? And a lot of these games, I'm not there. I'm watching them on my iPad or my iPhone. And some of the games, I'm there. And so it's easy for me to go, look, 
the plate is the plate, okay? And these hitters grow up their whole life judging whether I'm going to swing at this thing based on that plate. If it's over the plate, I'm going to have to hit it. The plate is the size it is because it is conducive to if the ball is over it, you can hit it. Here's why the plate is as wide as it is. Because if it's off the plate, it's really hard to hit it. <laughs> and therefore, we call that a ball. Well, if you're giving them strikes off the plate, it's hard on the hitters. But, and again, if I'm not there and I didn't drive two and a half hours to get there and I don't care if the game ends at 10 p.m. and puts me home at 1 in the morning, then sure, I'd love to see a lot of runs scored all the time and lots more balls put in play. But the nuance is that in the college game, one is, yeah, pitchers, they aren't as developed as the major league guys. They're good. They're real close. Some of them are first-rounders. but They're still not Max Scherzer. Okay, so that's one. And so historically, strike zones have been just a teeny tiny bit larger, you know, for the most part across college baseball than they might have been in the pros for you know, comparison's sake. And that's why, you know, you already have a game length problem. Okay. And so if the strike zone is tighter because of track, man, two things, well, three things, several things are going to be a result of that. Right? There are going to be fewer strikeouts. There are going to be more balls that are thrown actually over the plate, hittable, more hittable, and they're going to get hit more. More balls in play. More home runs, more runs scored, bigger innings, balloon scores to a degree. Like We'll see what it does over time. But those things add to the length of the game. And we already have long games because everybody takes their time nowadays. I recall it was either last year or the year before, but it's very recent, the last couple of years, I turned it over to Major League Baseball Network, and... They were showing a replay of a Yankees-Red Sox game from, I want to say it was the early 70s. Guidry, the, uh, what's his name? Ron Guidry was uh, pitching for the Yankees, the guy from Louisiana. He was pitching for the Yankees, so that'll give you an idea what time frame we're talking about. And I was just blown away. There were no graphics on the screen. They barely showed you the score and all this, but I was just blown away watching it in real time. It was a replay of the game at just how fast the pace of play was for both teams compared to what we've gotten used to now. I mean, it was fast. The pitcher got the ball and threw it. The batter almost never stepped out of the batter's box. That game moved quick. Well, now we're just used to it. Now everything's slow. Even I mean, go watch a Little League game. I mean, you got nine-year-old kids stepping out of the batter's box fixing his batting gloves between each pitch. It's just that's that's what it's devolved into. You watch a college game, and, you know, sometimes a college pitcher will go for a little walk around the mound just to catch his breath when things are tight. When they say slow the game down with runners on base, boy, do they mean it. Guys at the plate in college step out of the batter's box and, Umpires encouraging them to get back in, speed up the game. They're doing all they can, but it has really slowed down, so games are long, and it does make it longer. So there's some nuance in this whole deal. That's why when John Cohen was on here earlier in the week, I just happened to bring it up to him, and he said, you know, some people are going to say I'm completely nuts, but his two ideas were 
in college baseball widen the plate, make the plate just a little wider than you do in the pros. He said, here's another thing, play eight-inning games. He said, you know, in high school you play seven innings. In the pros you play nine, let's play eight. So it would be seven, eight, nine, depending on what level you rise to. I mean, he said, look, maybe it is, maybe it does sound crazy. It certainly is not traditional. But it might alleviate some of the issues you're having. Anyway, something to think about. Uh, Fred, he said, it takes time to build team chemistry. We're going to be okay. Talking about State's baseball team. Next Gen Reb texted and said, saw this on Twitter regarding game length issues. The only thing the pitch clock did is increase crappy pickoff moves and balks. <laughs> That's a pretty good point. <laughs> it really is. All right, uh, scores. Last night, State beat Southern uh, 14-5. Hit a bunch of home runs. At one point in the game, State hit back-to-back-to-back uh, Three straight. When was that? That was in the third inning. Kellum Clark, home run. Gave him seven on the year. He now leads the team. Next batter up. Cumbus, home run. Tied Kellum Clark for the team lead. Next batter up. Jaeger, home run. His seventh. Tied for the team lead. <laughs> uh, so, you know, 14 runs. State used a lot of guys on the mound. Both teams did, though. Uh, well, Southern used a lot more than State did. State threw uh, five different pitchers. Pico Khan. From Chilton County, Alabama, the home of the best peaches on the planet. Uh, he got the start on the mound. He's a freshman for state last night. Got the win. Pitched three innings. Struck out three. Gave up a run on three hits. Um, Drew Talley pitched and got hit all over the park. Four runs on six hits. But then Brandon Smith, Brooks Auger, and Jackson Fristo combined to throw five innings remaining in the game, and none of them gave up a hit. None of them walked anybody. And combined, those three in those five innings uh, struck out ten guys. So once they got to three, four, and five in the pen, their pitching really shut uh, Southern down. Southern can swing the bat. They can hit. Ole Miss um, put up 11 runs on Memphis, beat them 11-8 to eight last night. So, you know, the Ole Miss bats continue to be hot, 14 hits. Uh, there's not an offense in a country that is hotter and more of a threat game in, game out than Ole Miss is. Jacob Gonzalez is just having an unbelievable year. Been bragging on him for three years. Let's tell you how veteran Ole Miss is this year. Is Jacob Gonzalez still is the young guy, but he's playing this, like his third year playing for him. <laughs> but he still seems like the young guy. And he went four for five in a leadoff spot last night, scored three runs and drove into. Um, interestingly, Elko 0 for 4, so that just tells you this weekend he's going to have a game where he drives in about seven runs uh, at some point this weekend against Tennessee because the law of averages will kick in. I was just curious about this. So another double-digit game for Ole Miss. They've played 20 games now in the year. They're 16-4. and 16-4. and four. I'm about to look at their schedule, and out of 20 games, I'm going to tell you how many games they've only scored in single digits. Okay? I'm about to tell you. Hang on. Count with me. One, two, three. Four, five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> okay, eight. Twelve of their 20 ball games this year, Ole Miss has scored double-digit runs. 
In those games, their their lineup has put up 11, 12, 15, 10, 14, 10, 11, 16, 16, 13, 15, and 11 last night. <laughs> that is that is what they are doing. So uh, there you go. Other scores around the SEC. Uh, Alabama comes to start with this weekend. They lost last night to UAB in Birmingham. Heck of a ball game, five to four. Louisiana Tech went to Baton Rouge and beat LSU 7-6. Arkansas's game got canceled. Arkansas is going to play basketball tonight. Looking forward to watching that. I was looking up what Eric Musselman has done as a head coach, and it's pretty doggone incredible. Hogjow pointing out Tennessee is also mashing the ball. Tennessee's beating the tar out of everybody, too, not to mention they have a closer on the mound that's worth the price of admission, just hoping he gets to go pitch one inning, and you can watch and see what it looks like to see a kid throw 104 miles an hour. He brings that rocket to Swayze Field this weekend. Got a great way to finish out this baseball segment. Man. What's that? Ready? Yeah. Vaughn into the windup in his first <laughs> offering. Just a bit outside. <laughs> he hit the mascot over the, or the, the, the cardboard the cutout. Pitch. Yeah, he hit that, hit that uh, <laughs> back, backstop there. Right? Was about 20 feet away from the plate. Just a <laughs> bit outside. <laughs> oh, Harry Doyle. Well, hey, look, we'll have a makeup next. If everything goes according to plan, we'll get to hear from Chris Jans, a new head basketball coach at Mississippi State. He's trying to transition to be a Mississippian. We'll see what's happening with him on a Thursday. It's all coming up in the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Stick around. Wyatt Show. All right, here we go. Back with you in the Bureau, the Farm Bureau Insurance Studio. Farm Bureau Insurance, go! With the home team. They are your home team at Farm Bureau Insurance across the great state of Mississippi. When you go to Starkville, Stark Vegas, better known as, the home team is the Bulldogs, and on the basketball court, they've got a new head man coaching uh, the men's team. He is Chris Jans. Introduced this week as the head coach. Had the press conference yesterday. You got to hear him speak, answer a few questions, and ring a cowbell. And a real treat, he's now on your radio right now on the Divinity Equipment phone line, Divinity Equipment, Madison, and in Jackson. Coach Chris Jans. Coach, I really do appreciate some time. I I would assume it kind of goes without saying that the last few days have been a little bit of a whirlwind. (laughs) Good way to put it. Yeah. Good way to put it. But like I told uh, some of my friends, it's the best tired you're ever going to feel. Sure. What is the maybe the toughest part of, I mean, beyond saying goodbye to some people who you love and, and have built relationships with, what's the toughest part of making a transition like this? Is it the personal side, moving stuff, figuring all that out? What's the toughest part of it? I think it's different for everybody. I would say if you ask my wife that, it definitely would be the personal side and the goodbyes and the, you know, just the relationships that we've built over the last five years. You know, for me, um, for whatever reason, I mean, that's not the hardest part. Mm. Um, it just is what it is. It's what coaches do. I've lived in a lot of places and like she always reminds me, like, you guys are built different. You know, you can pick your stakes up and 
pack your tent and, and move on like it's nothing. And that's not normal human <laughs> behavior. And, um, so it, it, that part's easy for me. Um, I love the people of Cruces and I'm going to miss them. Um, but that's just part of the business. So for me, it's just, you can never keep up, you know, the game of whack-a-mole, it's like it never ends. It's never going to end. And, you know, where do you start and your day? Where do you finish it? And um, the to-do list is not a page. It's a legal pad. And um, you've got to prioritize what's important to you. And, you know, the text messages and the congratulatory, you know, social media stuff, like you just – you got to leave that alone and get to it when you can and focus in on, you know, what's, what's most important. And for me, what's most important are, are the, who are going to have playing for us, who's going to be donning the mm. Mississippi State Bulldog uniforms and we're trying to really focus on, you know, who we have and, you know, who wants to be back and, and then certainly uh, trying to add to the mix. Coach Chris Jans on your radio right now. So I, I heard you yesterday uh, mention that, you know, the biggest recruiting job you have right now is recruiting the players that are currently on the roster to stay and play. Um, what are those conversations like? I mean, as far as letting us in on kind of what that message is when you talk to those guys. You know, you meet with the team as a team. Mm. Um, that was my request. It wasn't on the itinerary that I was given, and I asked them. My first request as the new head coach was, I'd like to rearrange this, and I think it's important when I get off that plane, other than going to see Dr. Keenum, is to meet with the team. Because if I was a player and we had a new coach and he took a whole day to meet me, I wouldn't be very happy about it. Mm. I wouldn't feel very good. So that's what I did. It was the first thing I did other than meet Dr. Keenum is get in the the hump and, and meet the fellas and introduce myself and just give them a little bit of feel for who I am and what they could expect and then we set up individual meetings that night uh, with each and every one of, of the people in this program, beginning with the players. And like I told all of them, like, listen, this is the business side of college athletics. It's the ugly side of college athletics. And it happens all the time. And it's not what you dreamed of. It's not what you signed up for. And it's unfair. But life's unfair at times, too. And you're going to have to deal with it. And, um, you know, let's get to know each other. Sure. You know, I'm not going to twist your arm. I want kids that want to play for me and they want to play for Mississippi State. And, you know, some are, you know, already on board. Some are not sure what they want to do. And that's, that's normal. And like I told them, just give me a chance to get to know you, get a feel for me. And I got to do the same with you. There'll be no pressure. We're going to give you time and, you know, make the best decision for you. And so it's going to be a process. It doesn't happen overnight. Um, but it's definitely more of a sprint than a marathon when you're recruiting the players that you inherit, and um, that's our biggest priority right now. Coach Chris Jans is the new head basketball coach at Mississippi State. He's on your radio uh, right now. What were your first impressions of Humphrey Coliseum when you walked in there? Goosebumps, man. <laughs> My wife and I walked out of the tunnel, and you know, I saw it from above just a glimpse and then when I when we, they walked me in there it was at the court level and that's my perspective obviously on game day and I just envision you know being down there and coaching my team and, and having these you know state fans up there and uh, the environment that we could create 
Uh, I talked to colleagues prior to coming here that had played here, and for a lot of them, it was you know one of the top two or three venues that they got to compete on the road. And so I had an idea what it was going to feel like, but I got, I got goosebumps. I just got a big smile on my face and uh, let my mind wander a little bit, and it just just fired me up, man. I just can't wait to. I got a lot of work to do till November, but I can't wait to get to that point where the work's behind us and we're focused in on competing and, and you know, trying to beat these other teams and, and make, make these, uh, these Bulldog fans proud. Sure. I was um, a student. I was on a football team in the 90s when Coach Richard Williams took the basketball team and they went to the Final Four. And I, I was a freshman living in a freshman dorm, and I'll never forget the, the excitement <laughs> around that team and the party that erupted on campus um i i'm not a big party guy never have been so that's the biggest party i ever got sort of consumed by Uh, and Uh you know i just having lived through that so many people that are my age coach and my generation it's like everything we've gone through from a basketball point since then compare we compare it to that you know and i just know like from a mississippi state fan base perspective they want so bad to see the time again where there's 9,000 people at every home game. Because that's the way it was back then, you know? And I just wonder, like, what yeah. it takes to get to that. I think a lot goes into it. Mm. But let's be real. I mean, winning solves a lot of problems. Sure. That's right. Certainly, you know, engaging with the community, getting people on our side, getting people excited, getting engaged with the student body, making the game experience fun and playing a product, playing a style uh, on the floor that, that people want to watch, yeah. you know, that, that, that they enjoy. And I'm biased, obviously, but I think people will enjoy watching our teams play. I think people will enjoy um, our style, our aggressive attacking, getting downhill, um, you know, being the, the guys in black, if you will, having a little bit of Raider attitude uh, to us. You know, I use a lot of football analogies, which I'm sure you'll love. Sure, yeah. Um, and then just playing, you know, fast. I mean, playing fast, I mean, people get caught up in that. Like, we're going to play fast when it's time to play fast. We're going to get downhill when it's time to get downhill. Mm. But on the other end, we're going to make you uncomfortable. We're going to get after you. We're going to play in our toes, not our heels. We're going to trap some in, you know, out front. We're going to trap it in the post if we need be. Uh, we're going to press some. Um, you know, we're going to have you know a bunch of different ways to play depending on what we feel is the best. You know, the best way in that particular game. But it's going to be aggressive. Yeah. We're going to be aggressive. We're going to have a lot of confidence. Um, you know, my team's always shot in a lot of threes um, for whatever reason. That's that the game has changed. Um, since that line's put in, and now it's even more so with the influence of the NBA and mm-hmm. analytics and all that stuff. And, um, you know, because of that, you know, the, the ball bounces all over the court and you got a better chance to track it down offensively and get some second chance opportunities. But, um, I, you know, for me, I've got to, I've got to engage. I've got to get people excited about, you know, um, this, this program and me and my staff. And, um, and then, you know, they're going to come out and check us out. They're going to give us a chance, and, and we've got to keep them coming back. But at the end of the day, let's, let's be honest, I'm, you know, winning, winning is the number one factor, in my opinion, to create that environment that, that, we're, uh, that we're talking about. Sure. Chris Jans on your radio. And, you know, Coach, um, 
I will say you got a huge baseball fan base too. So one way you could start by getting them going and supporting you is if you throw out the first pitch tomorrow and throw about a ninety mile an hour strike. <laughs> Yo, you ready? <laughs> Am I ready? Yeah, you got. No, if... I'm not ready. <laughs> I played baseball in high school, so I, I shouldn't say that because I'm sure I'll bounce it in there. Yeah. I played baseball my whole life growing up, and so it should be no problem. But I don't play catch anymore. Yeah. I don't go out and throw the baseball around. Yeah. And I'm certainly not going to practice it. I got better things to do. Ninety mile an hour strike. Yeah, that's yeah. probably not going to happen. Yeah, that was a little little hubris that's on my probably, part. I just want it. Want you know, be able to keep it airborne so the catcher, you know, squeezes the mitt. Sure, absolutely. That's it. Don't bounce it. Now, we don't expect 90. I'm sure they will make sure the radar gun is not turned on, but looking forward to seeing you. Uh, and I know uh, I'm really looking forward to you getting to experience uh, Duty Noble and a baseball crowd at State right away in your first week in start. We'll look forward to seeing you out there tomorrow. Coach, I really do appreciate your time. Welcome to Mississippi. Thank you. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate right. you having me. Yes, sir. Hail State. Hail State. Thank you. That's Chris Jans, new men's basketball coach, Mississippi State. Tell you what, he's uh, he's easy to talk to. He's a heck of an interview. Yeah, he's throwing out first pitch at the weekend uh, opener tomorrow. Mississippi State hosting Alabama in baseball tomorrow night, and he'll be there in the outfield, get to meet fans, and he's going to throw out first pitch. So we're all looking forward to seeing that. I'm jealous. Someday, some way, I want to be able to throw out a first pitch. Nobody's ever invited me to do that. I really want to do that because I don't. If you invite me, I'll throw my arm out, but I'm not bouncing it up there. I promise. <laughs> invite me, please. Hour two coming up. Stick around. 